Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Stephen Liu, and welcome to the podcast "Getting Naked with Happiness." This is another episode where I interview conscious leaders, happiness experts, and resilience champions to try to distill their well-being formulas and understand what contributes to their happiness, performance, and meaning. Whether that is their personal habits, personal experiences, or maybe their favorite mantras. We can always learn to integrate some of their life experiences and add some new tools onto our happiness toolkits. This episode touches on designing your meaning and happiness through the change of lifestyle habits, and focusing on tapping on your innate psychological resources. So, my guest today is Jeremy Tan, and Jeremy is the founder of AT Asia. He is an expert headhunter. Is well renowned for going to the extreme. His philosophy is to create maximum clarity for his clients, as he believes that all challenges can be fulfilled by aligning meaning, and everything else can be also answered by an individual's underlying motivation. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you, Stephen. Nice to be on the show. Thanks for being here. I am very excited to talk to you today because that you are in this industry that I am very close to, which is well-being in organizations, and you know, we spend a lot of time working, and you play an important role to place people. So, can you tell us more about your thoughts on recruitment and human capital? Sure. So, I think recruitment in this um, world has been um, kind of tainted sometimes. I mean, I like because. Too many businesses they've met with recruiters who are out there just to send you CVs, paper images of human beings that you're trying to hire, and uh, to managers they just feel that uh, recruiters are paper pushers. They're just pushing CVs towards you, hoping that you hire so that they make a commission of that uh, placement. And mm. uh, I think what we are losing is the fact that recruitment is actually a very important factor for any business to grow. And for any business to really scale, human capital dynamics is something that everybody is studying today. Uh, there are a lot of HR, data analytics businesses that are studying uh, retentions, uh, attractions, uh, cultural fits, and all. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be more and more important as uh, the world takes on uh, bigger challenges and the world takes on bigger technological advancements because the advancements don't come by themselves; they come through humans. And uh, we need better and better, smarter and smarter, and more powerful human beings to take on these more difficult roles moving forward. Hmm. I like the part you talk about better and more powerful human beings to take on this role.、Uh, I think there's a buzzword right now. It's called the VUCA world, right? Whereby V U C A volatile, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Yeah. And and based on that, can you tell me about your some of your thoughts? With um and and how is this all relevant to your personal meaning? Um, I really really enjoy uh the part of my work where I find somebody where the manager has spent say three months, six months, one year, two years to find somebody perfect, but they could never find it. Um, just like anybody who sells you a home, just like anybody who sells you a car, you need to understand that um there's always three factors: price, time, and quality. Um, mm. And I always make it a point to understand like what are they looking for, and really give them the best deal possible, and letting them understand that there's no such thing called the perfect hire. Same like there's no perfect car, there's no perfect home that you're exactly looking for within 
uh, time, budget, and quality. Mm. So for me, it gives me great meaning for me to fulfill at least two of these three requirements for them. And uh, it gives me a lot uh, uh, of satisfaction when they actually call me up after a long time and say, hey, the guy is still here. Um, after you've placed him three years ago, he really likes the work. He's got pro- uh, promoted up the ranks. He's doing this, this, this for us now. Uh, really happy about what you did last time. Those are stuff that I really, really enjoy. And that's something that I think uh, most recruiters don't get today. We are just placing and running, placing and running, and then people don't stay. And managers actually have a bad impression of us because of that. Mm. So, and I have one of my favorite questions coming out on that. It would be, can you also share how positivity or optimism is related to your thoughts on well-being or career well-being? Um, this, this comes back to my previous point where I mentioned uh, most managers say, oh, I only want specifically this perfect hire. And um, they might meet a guy who's 80% there or a female who's uh, 80% there. And they might just say, oh, lacking this 20%. I always tell them the positivity part of this that um, if we didn't have this 20% room for them to grow, room for them to chase, opportunity for them to grow, then um, you're just hiring a like for like. Mm. And uh, to be honest, in this world, 100% um, of managers, especially the, I would say the older managers tend to like to hire like for likes, meaning they just uh, find a person who fits exactly what they're looking for. But there is no room for them to grow. There's no room for them to become a better version of themselves. They're just doing the same thing over and over and then um, for probably slightly better pay, slightly better company. Um, So I always try and uh, give a positive outlook um, for these people in terms of the managers. And then I always talk to candidates who don't have uh, good images of themselves or they always think they can't do, uh, they're not up to the task Mm. because it's not a like for like once again. And actually encourage them, and uh, I actually teach them, and even research the information that they have to study upon before they attend the interview, so that they can actually understand the additional margin and the additional ground they need to cover in order to become the next best version of themselves to get that job. Mm. Oh, I like the part you talk about being best versions of themselves, and also on the part how you are also helping people to overcome their personal struggles who are facing maybe lack of self-confidence or self-esteem, you know, and I think it's important to, on that part of things, because when we look for better opportunities, we want to contribute our best selves to our organizations or the future organizations, I think. And many people are just held back by that lack of self-confidence. And building on that, Jeremy, can you tell us maybe a story of a time in your journey that you were experiencing some sort of like low self-esteem yourself or maybe maybe recovering from a setback and what you have learned from it? Um, okay, so one of the biggest uh, setbacks I've ever had in my life was um, when I was finishing up O-levels, trying to get into college. And uh, so in Singapore, we have this uh, first three months, you can get into any college you want to try. And for four years, I worked myself motivating myself every day to get into this specific college uh, because I didn't do well for my PSLE. So the tough part about Singapore is we have milestones. PSLE is one milestone. O-levels is one milestone. Yep. And then 
A-levels is one milestone. So I didn't do well for my PSLE. Uh, scored under 200, which was really, really bad. So I told myself for the next four years, I'm going to do something great and um, get onto the right track, which was college. I mean, today I realized that was not exactly the right track. The right track is doing what your strengths tell you to do, not mm. doing what environment asks you to do. But back then, I always thought everybody said, well, if you go to college, means you're on the right track. So I forced myself into that. Um, I got into the college of my choice uh, for the first three months, but uh, that was for the preliminary results. And then for the official results, I didn't get into that college of my choice. So uh, that was the biggest setback of my life at that point of time. Four years of hard work, four years of determination, every day trying to cycle myself that I was going to achieve that. I hit it. I touched the ground for the first three months and then I had to leave the ground after mm-hmm. three months. That was very hard. Uh, it took a toll on me. So uh, I suffered from severe depression during that period. Um, I lost 15 kilos. I didn't want to go to school. Um, and I was in denial. So when the school called me to say, hey, you're not coming to school. What's going on? I said, no, I didn't choose this school. You guys chose me. And I didn't say I want to go there. Um, but I pulled my head together and I went to college still because it's ultimately still college. I mean, like you still made it theoretically. Uh, people still might be proud of you. My family was proud, theoretically, saying, oh, you still did it, don't worry, we are behind you. But I, I really didn't enjoy it. For that two years, I was just uh, plodding along. Mm. Uh, I really didn't know what I was doing. That two years just went by and uh, I never want to have that in my memory because I just didn't know what I was doing. Mm. How I overcome it was that uh, I learned to realize that uh, life happens for you, not to you in that um, if I didn't go to school things doesn't change it, it might just get worse mm. um, well if if I was younger I would tell myself that I, if I really didn't like it that much I take action on it um, either maybe you can uh, take a year off study again and try and go to that same college you wanted to or take another path you can go to polytechnic a lot of my friends who went to poly really enjoyed their time they really learned something and uh, they're doing very well in terms of personal happiness and in terms of their careers, it's no short of any college student. But of course, back then I was in a box, mental box that's saying that oh, I had to achieve this. You know? mm. um, but you're saying, how did I solve that? Um, again, is that uh, I acknowledge it and I accepted the fact that um, that was what it is. Mm. I just tried my best. Um, and uh, I tried to do everything possible in that two years that could possibly give me a, a good experience for myself. So as I said, I, I didn't really enjoy what I was doing in school, but I used it as a way to challenge myself whereby I was trying to work with uh, the school to encourage more uh, sports. So I was like sports captain. I was a tennis captain to try and help build the tennis team. Um, I was trying to... Um, in the college, we had a lot of people who came from less fortunate families. I took part in those activities to help those families. So if you see, there were a lot of activities I did which were not very academic to begin with because that was not my mm. pursuit anymore when I went there. It was like, I, I never want to be there. What can I make the best of that situation for myself so that I can come up a better human being at the end of the day? The two years were still passed, whether I want it or not. Wow, that is... Um... Thanks for taking the courage to share and it means a lot that you could share about these things and you talk about the two years that was when you got really depressed and you say you lost 15 kg of weight? Yeah, 15 kg of weight. 
Wow. Ah. And, and and at the point at the point of time when you said you were depressed, you were you spiraling in and out of depression? Yes. So I didn't know it was depression until uh, many years later. Uh, they were putting depression advertisements on uh, TV. If you remember those times, I think that was like 2000s, mid-2000s, they were putting up depression adverts. I think people were getting more aware. Um, so I could see a lot of signs um, such as always wanting to sleep. Uh, you, you're crying a lot and you're always tired and you always want to sleep. You try not to be awake because the moment you're awake, your consciousness will ring you into that situation whereby uh, you're trying to avoid so naturally, your brain sends signals to try and avoid that situation. Um, I, was I was trying to hide away from people, not look at people, trying to avoid eye contact and trying to avoid conversations. Uh, even in school, I try not to sit with uh, the class. You always The other biggest thing was that uh, I was seeing that uh, you're blaming the environment a lot. You're blame I, I was blaming that, oh, this school's no good, or my friends don't like me. Uh, the, this teacher was always speaking on me um, and they were always saying that you're not good enough. Uh, but this self-sabotaging, I see it every day, even today uh, in my working world. Um, and I think it has to be something that has to be recognized, to be honest. That's, that was how I found out I had depression because I was seeing the adverts and they were starting to show me. And I was spiraling in and out because that's what you say. There were times where I was um, getting out of it. Um... And I knew it because I was doing all the other charity work that you had, I told you about and I was starting up the club and everything. But then uh, a friend will say something bad or my teacher might say something negative to say like, hey, I don't think you belong here. You're, you're not doing that well. You're kind of slow on, on the courses, very behind. Whoa. Maybe this is not for you. And then that affected me a lot. And then Whoa, you spiral back in. What were, when you hear all these feedbacks based on what they shared with you that you, uh, you weren't good enough, what were some of your thoughts and feelings so it's blame. blame. Always blame. Yeah, always blame. You always blame saying that, oh, these guys are no good. Mm. Um, but on my end, right, I mean mentally, I was always the kind of person who tried my best. I, um, that's, that's the good thing about me. That's my strength I found, mm. which was anything that people say I can't do, I'll force myself to do it even harder and try to prove them wrong. Mm. Um, so that was the, the positive side. But on the negative side, I was always blaming, saying that yeah, I shouldn't be here Mm. Uh, this wasting my time. I, I can't fix this situation. And uh, honestly speaking, people who are in depression always think that they cannot fix the, the situation. They always feel that um, there's no way out. Jeremy, by sharing your experience, I also feel your emotions and strengths of resilience and courage and compassion. At the darkest point when you were depressed, what helped you in that moment when you felt depressed? I know you said that you, you would do more by proving other people wrong, but what other things helped you? What were some of your coping skills? Honestly, back then, I think what I did was um, I went to find things I really enjoy and I tried to use that. So for example, I was tennis captain and I really enjoyed playing tennis when I was young. Mm. So I spent a lot of time at the tennis court. Um, I did a lot of things for them. So we did fundraising. We did, um, and this is something I tell everybody today. Find what you really enjoy, magnify it, and find what you do not like, diminish it. There's no way you can actually totally avoid what you don't like because 
there's no such life. Again, there's nothing is perfect in life. Some things you don't like, either you outsource it, delegate it, or uh, you diminish it. But you have to face it as well. So, yeah, that's how I did it. Wow. I like the part you heard say we could always magnify what we are good at and diminish what we are not good at. And you're speaking on the topic on strengths. And strengths is very important for well-being development. And these are some of our innate psychological resources that we all have them. And what sort of strengths did you utilize? It sounds to me that you were tapping on strengths of resilience and also compassion because you were you said that you were a team captain and you also did a lot of charitable events at a point. Can you tell us a bit more what are some of the strengths that were apparent to you that you could tap on when you were suffering? Okay, one of the strengths I had was I told you like yeah, resilience. So um, whenever I felt like I was in a tough situation, I will try, I mean, this not a, doesn't sound like a very nice thing, but I will try and look for a person who has a situation that's even worse than mine. Mm. And then you feel like you're better off. Yeah, of course, that's not a nice thing. I mean, like, look at people who are suffering even harder than you, then that's, that's not something nice. But if you see somebody who's suffering uh, worse off than you, number one, it shows that your situation is not that bad. Number two, it shows that you have somebody you can help and they might feel even better. Mm. Um, other things I picked up on was uh, I, w- I also had very good mental strength so whenever people said something bad about me I didn't take it as a whole wrap it up and put it to my brain I actually break it apart tried to engineer it to understand why did they say that and how could I make better of their comments wow you said something that's really relevant because uh, what you did by saying comparing to people who are worse off than you, it may sound a little bit bad at the start, but the real intent is to sometimes we uh, we spiral down into darkness. The first part is to have a real reality check of our situation. And when we look at other people who are in a worse off situation, it will remind us that hey, our situation is not that bad after all, you know? And if they are they are surviving and they are being resilient in their situations. We can be that way too, you know, using other people as a point of reference. And I also like the second part of how you pay attention to what people say and try to understand why do they say that? Because sometimes, of course, well, there will always be naysayers saying different things and we will jump to conclusions, right? But sometimes along the way, we, we need to also look at it from the evidence point of view, does it really make sense? You know, is this person trying to put me down because he has a certain biased opinion? Am I really congruent to what the person say? I don't think so. So by examining these thoughts, you can always disagree on what other people say, right? And on that, Jeremy, what if you can offer a piece of advice to those who are suffering from traumas or depression like you did, what would that be? A piece of advice I would say is, number one, you learn to accept it. Don't blame it. Um, one of the biggest mistakes I had was uh, I always blame the external factors. I never blame myself. Um, when you're always blaming external factors, then you will never be able to find a solution to solve these uh, issues that you face. For example, it, it depends on situation to situation. But for example, like if back then I knew that um, I didn't go to a place I want to be in. Why did I still force myself to wake up every day to go there? Why do I force myself to be in that negative environment? Why not take that opportunity, find a way to change it? 
So I know of people who uh, took a year off to study privately just to try and uh, uh, attempt the exams again. Mm-hmm. I know of many successful people, uh, countless, countless people who, um, who are doing what they are in today, not because uh, they, they had to accept what they previously achieved, but it was because they took a course to change their lives. So one of the advice is learn to accept and learn to try and change it. Yeah. Then the other thing I would say is uh, don't be uh, uh, locked down into that problem by yourself. Try and seek advice. Today, there's so many channels that can help you to solve this. Uh, you can meet with people who are uh, able to help you with this. And in fact, I, I wouldn't say that your parents or your family might be the best helpers because when they're too close, they might not be able to give you the best advice. You can look for professional help. Uh, you can even look for friends who might be able to tell you how to get out of certain situations. Or you can just try and look for support groups. I don't know, Facebook and all. Back then, we don't have uh, social media, so it was a lot harder. Mm. Well, thanks for saying that. I think you nailed on the points of um, we have certain patterns of thinking that might cause us to be more negative. So we need to recognize some of these cognitive distortions or negative thinking. And just to know that we are in that state, we can get out of it once we have the awareness. And the second point you make was look out for people and to reach out for help. And why I, I like this part especially because this is also, this affect a lot of men, I would say, that men are more likely not able to reach out for help than our uh, female counterparts. So I think this is a big issue in, in Singapore and in Asia that men must learn how to reach out for help. And so by looking out for a mentor or a good friend, by sharing your feelings and your thoughts with your problems with them, I think it would be great. It's a great start for the well-being. Yeah, I think it's and, because it's all about the, the alpha male mindset, right? That we, we think that we know it all. Yes. The alpha male mindset, better say, you place it correctly, Jeremy, that we sometimes we need to, alpha male meaning to say that we have to act a certain way, think of a certain way that men don't cry, we have to be strong. And this has a lot of setback for personal well-being, relationship well-being, and also personal development, you know, that we are unable to be in touch with ourselves with the full spectrum of emotions. That is great. And can you share one daily habit or practice that you are doing right now that contributes to your well-being? Okay, so uh, this is something that I only picked up like four months ago, but it's one of the biggest things that has ever changed my life. It's, it's amazing. Uh, what I do every day is I wake up very, very early now. I wake up at 5 every day. 5 a.m.? Uh, 5 a.m. every day. That's very early. <laughs> very forcefully. <laughs> yeah, forcefully because, uh, okay, I'm, I'm a person who has a, a, a crazy mindset. As If you tell me that um, I can be a superhero if I wake up at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m., I'll do it also. So hmm. I read and I listen to podcasts every day and I know of uh, studies that show that successful people all wake up early. So I didn't know the reason why I was going to do it, why, how I was going to do it. I just forced myself. Uh, armed with uh, the best tool, which I today discovered was a smartwatch. So I used to try wake up early all the time, but uh, my phone will ring and then I'll switch it off. The smartwatch will keep vibrating until you wake up. And I set multiple. So I set seven alarms on my smartwatch. Wow. And two additional alarms on my mobile phone. So every morning I have to rush to 
switch off nine alarms. <laughs> That's a good strategy. <laughs> yeah. Then I wake up early every morning and then I do something that uh, allows me to understand how I can love myself first. So I'm a person who enjoys exercise and fitness a lot. Mm. So at five o'clock, uh, I made it a point that uh, I'll go exercise, run to the gym. I prepare everything the night before uh, so that I have no excuses for myself. Um, I wake up, I brush my teeth, I grab my gear and I go. Um, and then wow. the, mo- the moment I get home is the second time that I'm going to love myself again, which is the moment I get home, it'll be within uh, 6.45, 7 o'clock. I take a cold shower, wake mm. my senses, and then I spend about 30 to 45 minutes with my daughter. Mm. So that's the time when she's just waking up. Uh, I'll make her milk, feed her, sit down with her, spend some time, and uh, learn to become grateful for what I have. After which, after doing these two things that make me uh, love myself, then I go on and challenge the task that I have externally. Because I realize that if you feed the soul internally first, you'll be better and able to feed other people's soul externally. If you can't help yourself, you will never be able to help other people. Well, I love what you just said. It's amazing. I, I, I so can admire every aspect of it. I like the part you talk about waking up at 5 a.m. And before that, you make sure that you set yourself up for success because you clear everything first. So when you wake up, you are ready, you hit the gym. And this is the first act of exercise of practicing loving oneself. And I love the part you say about how you love yourself the second time when you are back, you know, and you take the cold shower. And loving oneself has many positive attributes because when you love yourself, when you experience true love in that manner, then you are qualified to share love with other people and which is your love with a family like your daughter. And how old is your daughter, by the way, right now? Two. Two. She just turned two. Okay, and her name will be? Her name is Avery. Avery was a beautiful name. So I hope that one Thank day, you. Avery, she will be able to listen to this podcast <laughs> and knows that what her daddy is doing. <laughs> and Jeremy, uh, before we go, there will be a one last question uh, for you is that is that can you share one life advice to those who are in their 20s the reason why I'm asking this is because that you are a hit hunter and you place many people professionals and I believe that um, a group of them might be from 20s and 30s and onwards or 40s but, but especially in the 20s could you offer one life advice for them so uh, the one huge life advice I would tell anybody in their 20s um, is that you need to understand that your career is uh, anything between a 30 to 50 year uh, thing and it's going to get longer. These days, it's probably going to get 60 years uh, careers. So, number one thing is set yourself up for success whereby you are not following the norm, right? So, the way that I've seen the success for myself and the when I say success, it's not only monetarily but uh, happiness, right? Like waking up every day wanting to go and conquer something is uh, don't don't just follow the norm of saying you, if you study finance, you become successful, so everybody does it. If you study certain things that in trend now, uh, you're going to become successful. No, don't do that. You've got to understand firstly, if um, everything is paid for, which is exactly when you're in your 20s, let's just say when your mom and dad pays your school fees, they give you allowances, you know, everything is paid for. What's the one thing that you want to do every day? Whether it is... Um, um, working out whether it is reading about a certain topic. It could be psychology, it could be business, it could be finance, it could be investing. 
I don't know, understand it, what, what's the thing that you really enjoy and then go try jobs that um, require such skill sets and also try jobs that are out of the norm. So for example, um, a lot of the people I meet who are in their 20s are trying to get big internships with uh, banks, um, Fortune 500s, you know. But I always tell them that when you go there, you're just going to be the admin person. There's no way you're going to go there and you're going to be executing huge deals or making big decisions. So why not do something you like? So for example, uh, I can give you a very live example right now. My cousin is uh, doing foreign uh, exchange trading today. But when she was doing her internship, she asked me back then, uh, seven years ago, whether she should be doing something with the banks or whether she should be working at a pet shop because she really loves pets but she doesn't have a pet for mm. uh, all her life because her mom and dad doesn't like pets. So I just told her, just do the pet shop job. Why? Because uh, if you really like doing that, you will learn a lot of skills from that. Not only just taking care of the pets but you will learn a lot about um, what makes the pet shops tick, what makes the pet shop work something enjoyable and how what can you take away from that um, into your future life uh, career and if that career let's just say failed how can you come back use the skills that you learn at a pet shop and, and make it make yourself even better yeah because if you just follow the norm which I tell you everybody does today I met a guy the other day um, he is 31 years old and he said oh I've worked very hard I just want to relax now he's 31 he only worked four years Mm. Um, and I just said you, you are saying that it's because you, are, you stick to the norm you, told, you just did what your parents asked you to to study uh, you got a job at a bank you know um, but that's why you're tired how can you be tired after four years of working something's wrong somewhere you know so one of my advice is just, just go out there and really do what you like first since everything is being covered by your parents or you, you have a situation where you're not worrying about liability or you're not worried about uh, social expectations because there'll be a lot of social expectations you're going to face for the next 40, 50 years of your life. You've got to learn to enjoy life at that point in time to understand yourself first instead of just trying to not understand and not know what you can achieve for the rest of your life just because you're following somebody else's instructions. Great advice, Jeremy. It's very important for people who are out there to not only in their 20s or 30s and 40s that are you doing something that is aligned to your meaning and passion? And that will bring you to a far better place than just doing it as a job. So Jeremy, I would like to acknowledge your dedication and mission in development of human capital and also bring and maximizing human value for workplaces. So Jeremy, if there are people who are interested to reach out to you to find out what you do and to offer, how can they do that? You can find me, um, you can drop me an email. My email is jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y at my company's email, atasia, so that's capital A, capital T, A-S-I-A dot S-G. Um, you can look up atasia.sg website. Um, otherwise, I also have an Instagram account called um, AT Asia SG. Okay, great. So it's Jeremy at ATAsia.sg. And so for me, one small action I will take after this conversation is to learn to love yourself first because you can learn to love others. Self-love doesn't mean that we become selfish. Self-love means that when you know how to treat yourself well, 
and you experience love, then we can share that quality of love with others. That's my takeaway. For those who are listening in, I would like to hear your thoughts and what you can do to love yourself better. So do share your comments in a Facebook page, Getting Naked With Happiness, or the Instagram page, hashtag Getting Naked With Happiness. And thanks for listening and have a great week ahead.